everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, we have our, our returning guests tonight. Uh, we have uh, Cole Keith of the Toronto Arrows joining us. Cole, we uh, we really appreciate taking the time, uh, you know, down south to to uh, get together with us again and talk a little little rugby. Yeah, no, my pleasure. You know, pretty sure uh, first time uh, returning guest. You know, all <laughs> tagged on my name for the. Yeah, uh, there you go. You're, you know, first so. first guest we ha- it just made sense to have you come back. Yeah, we saw go. a little bit of the snack pack stuff being tossed around, and it got me uh, feeling <laughs> a little reminiscent. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, uh, you know, let's let's get right into it, Cole. Let's kind of talk about. Um, let's talk about that game. You know, you guys, uh, you guys beat the Sea Wolves fifty-two to seven. Um, the, the, the highest, uh, point differential in MLR history, um, kind of just an all around game for you guys. Give us kind of like the, you're now our, 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 uh, arrows analyst. Give us a kind of a recap of what you think went well in that game. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, we've, uh, just like a mixture of probably us probably having our best performance as a team and maybe them after a long, you know, uh, travel across the country, a bit of an early kickoff for them and everything just kind of piling up probably made it so that it was the the massive score differential that it was, but it definitely didn't feel like it was uh, that big of a blowout because they're still a, a quality side and, and put up a good, uh, a good battle for sure. They just probably let a few get away with those uh, little things piling on top of each other, but um but yeah, other than that, it was great, great for us to to get that win and and really, you know, rebound our season almost in a way, just because it would have it would have been pretty near times here if we we dropped the one and four. So that was a that was a big one for us for sure. So you know, we've we talked to you about this before, but what does it feel like to go up against you know two other Canadian props? You know, you had you know Justice Sears Duro and Jake Gilnicki against you. What what is it always like when when you go against some of your you know you, the guys you went to the World Cup with? Um, yeah, you, you always relish those opportunities probably a little bit more. There's a little bit more kind of involved with it because we all still uh, we stay in touch for the most part. Um, no, I mean we don't text every day or message every day, but. Every few, every few weeks or so often we're, uh, we're in touch and me and DJ as well. We're pretty good buddies. Um, but yeah, you, you, you definitely relish those opportunities to get a little extra jab in there or, or <laughs> something, something along the lines of that. Every time you get to square up with, uh, one of the guys, uh, that you have a, a history with or you know, really well. So. Did you guys have like a little snack pack reunion after like, I know it was kind of early in the day in Georgia. You said it's the best spot to get snacks is in the United States. Did you yeah. have a little um, meetup after the game? No, they, uh, they actually flew out that evening as well. So they weren't there that long, but, uh, and you know, we would, me and DJ would never do that without Harry or uh, Howie, sorry. And Matt Tierney, you know, we, we roll as a pack. <laughs> we, we, we ride together. So we wouldn't, uh, leave them out. We, 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 we keep the snack pack stuff, you know, uh, unison as one us four <laughs> speaking about being in the u.s how is the team feeling now five weeks into the season i know the news was that uh, the hours would be staying in a hotel for the first three weeks so has anything changed have you changed accommodation or are you still in a hotel scenario and just getting used to calling atlanta your home ground for 2021 um, yeah, you know, nothing's changed still in the hotel, unfortunately. Uh, we did change though. So we're kind of in more of a, uh, 
like a longer term stay hotel. So basically we just have suites now instead of standard rooms, um, which is nice. And there's like, uh, they're slowly building a, a little bit of a kitchen upstairs for us. And we have a barbecue and uh, a few things like that. So it's starting to uh, be a little bit more normal, but um, you know, it's definitely tough uh, being away, living in a hotel, just that, that grind of, you know, coming back and, and uh, not really like being home essentially. Um, so it is tough being in a hotel, but I mean, we play, we play a lot of cards, a lot of cards are being played right now, uh, fair amount of gambling happening. Uh, so we're finding time ways to put it in and, and we're in a pretty decent area, which is nice. There's, there's lots to do around. Um, I feel like I'm constantly seeing Colby Francis over by the, the Chattanooga river. Like yeah, he's he, always posting he, stuff. The guy there. hangs out in the river all the time. Actually a little story on that is he, uh, he was in there the other day, a few weeks ago, actually, and uh, a few of the boys have been hopping in, going for for like kind of ice baths, I guess you could say. It's pretty cold. Um, anyway, and there's three or four of them hanging out there, and then there was uh, some local just walked by and just kind of like was looking around, saying like, "What are what are these guys doing in the water here?" <laughs> anyway, so um, he walks by, and then he just kind of like looks at Colby in the water, and then down, and then there's this massive snake that just like slithers right out. <laughs> right into the water and it, there's never been a guy get out of it probably quicker than, than him in that moment. I don't, I don't think he's been in it since. So that's, that's probably why you haven't seen much the last seven to 10 days is because he probably had a little scare with it. So that's honestly one of the most terrifying things to me ever. I hate snakes so much. It's like so gross. Murky, muddy water or something like that where you just wouldn't have any idea. So yeah, I'll pass on uh, going back into that. So <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm kind of curious now because I've, I've seen like, so you, you're saying you're playing some cards, maybe doing some gambling. I've also seen like a handful of like golf picks on social media. You guys yeah. uh, getting out to the, the course very often. And, yeah, kids uh, can't the, do that in Ontario. Yeah, yeah, no, you it's illegal. That in Ontario, it's illegal. Yeah. You get fined if you do right. that in Ontario. That's why, that's why I noticed that they were golfing because I'm like, I am very jealous of this team right now. <laughs> yeah, um, we, got a, we got a good little golf crew going in the team, actually. Uh, my roomie, Pat Lynott, he, uh we're probably the two biggest fanatics, I'd say. <laughs> uh, we live for it. But, yeah, we're, uh, we're playing usually at least once a week. Sometimes we get out twice, but uh, depending on the scheduling. But. Yeah, we've uh, we played quite a bit, and we're just trying, basically, just trying every course we can find a find a little deal on golf now, and uh, we go from there. But yeah, there's a, there's a good crew. There's probably about 12, 10 or twelve guys in our uh, little golf group chat we got uh, that, that that just enjoy playing all the time. So it's it's nice to have that as well as, as an option to uh, to kill those off days or those uh, slow afternoons or something. I guess you could say. So, I think you kind of alluded to it with your answer, but. So who's the best golfer on the team and who's the guy that thinks he's way better than he actually is? Ooh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Patty Lineout, he's probably, he's the acer. I mean, he got a hole in one a few weeks ago. If you guys didn't see. No, I yeah, saw that. There's the first time I've ever witnessed one. Um, yeah. He's, he's right up there. He's, uh, he's really good. And uh, the other one, I don't know. Um, it's tough to say. That's, there's no guy that probably like walks around thinking they're they're really good. Um, I might, yeah, I don't know. Like it's hard to say. Nobody, nobody probably thinks. Everybody probably knows that they're pretty that they're pretty bad or pretty average for the most <laughs> part. So uh, yeah, there's nobody that walking around thinking that they they got a chance to make make right. a PGA Tour event or something. So. Um, I like that you went with the diplomatic answer of not directly throwing a teammate under the bus, but still thinking that a couple of them are actually. Yeah, you tried to sewer and be there with that one. But. <laughs> um, 
so you know we've kind of talked a little about a little bit about it you know you guys have been living in georgia you know been on the road what is it like living in georgia i mean you know the states as a whole kind of has a lot more of a relaxed nature with the pandemic than that canada does right now is it kind of surreal to see you know family and friends back home kind of either in lockdowns or uh, you know in the east coast kind of doing their their tight bubbles and then you come down you're you're in the u.s where it's a whole different animal um yeah it's kind of it it sucks for them uh back home but uh down here it's awesome to be honest with you (laughs) it's great um you know, the whole boys, everybody's been, uh, you know, very like good and, and mature almost in a way at uh, staying like away from the highly populated areas um, and like having their masks on and, and really following our team protocols for the uh, for COVID because we've had we've been down here for, for almost six weeks now and there hasn't been a single positive test, which is pretty crazy for 40 That's people awesome. just kind of doing the thing. Yeah, so it's hats off to the boys and uh, the whole staff really for um yeah staying uh staying clean of the COVID I guess um but yeah it 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 is kind of surreal I guess it was it was kind of a a shock when we got down here almost because you know masks aren't mandatory and like everything's open you can go you know to the pub and have a couple pints or you can go to the grocery store and there's people with no masks and it's it's just kind of crazy uh the first few weeks we were down here just to like see that because we were just so accustomed to uh all the regulations and stipulations and stuff back home but uh it is nice you know it's, it's nice being down here the weather's great and uh you know the, the lifestyle is pretty good to be honest with you so kind of we'll shift focus a little bit back to more of like the on-field stuff um for the last season and the season prior to you were uh playing on the tight head side of the scrum now i guess with uh you know the roster kind of being shaken up a little bit uh toward the start of the season as well as maybe you know rugby canada kind of looking for it too you've now switched over to the loose head side primarily with the exception of the one game where cortez was suspended and you went back to the tight head side what is like that transition like going from the tight head side to the loose head side is there a lot to that and like do you have a preference um, for which side you kind of play? Um, yeah, it is a bit different. More, mostly the only difference would be obviously in the scrum. Um, it, uh, other than that, open field play, very similar. Not, not a real change. You know, lineouts are, are pretty much this, the exact same thing. No, uh, no real different role. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely in the scrum, big difference. But I'm finally, the last few games now, I'm starting to feel probably the most comfortable I've been at it um, for, for loose head for the next little bit. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously I'd say my preference is still probably tight head just cause I feel uh, that, you know, last year and, and the years before is that I almost felt like uh, going into every scrum that I could probably win a penalty or, or we could win a penalty at it. And I don't quite feel that yet, probably at loose head where I'm still figuring it out, uh, fi- sorry, figuring it out a little bit and kind of learning my way as I go, but um, definitely starting to really, really like the change and starting to feel, you know, comfortable adjusting to it in the scrums and stuff from, from, uh, from every week. Going forward, so. Have some of the new like scrum law variations been like a difficult adjustment or anything to you, or is it just kind of like, it's just two resets. So I'm guessing it doesn't really change like technique and stuff a whole lot, but is there, has that like changed like maybe like a little bit of like how you guys think about, like, I guess, like tactics and stuff. So I've noticed like you've been going for like lineouts and stuff off penalties a lot more than say you did last year as well. 
yeah, well, it kind of sewered us as a team, you know, to be honest, the team that had like a pretty dominant scrum. Uh, we ran a lot of set piece plays off scrums and we kind of, you know, that's kind of what we used as an attacking platform because we were so good at it. Um, so it definitely, when the news came out, you know, at the start of preseason that that's kind of what it was going to. Um, yeah, we kind of had to change, uh, you know, ways a little bit, you know, it's not a huge difference. Um, just, you know, setting it off the, off the lineup instead of the scrums, but it definitely, you know, hurt teams like us and maybe and favored teams that had uh, weaker scrums that they can only, you know, one penalty and then you can't call another one. Um, when, you know, before you could grind teams down with, you know, two or three, four scrums in a row, maybe draw a card out of them, things like that. So it definitely wasn't like, you know, favored teams that didn't have as strong of a scrum as, as us and, and a few other teams in the league, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy with, uh, with, with uh, tactical wise or anything like that, I guess. So the last time we had you on the podcast, you were uh, commenting on something Tendai, the Beast Unterera, was saying about refereeing in Major League Rugby. But in the most recent game, you've been refed by international ref, um, trained by the RFU, uh, JP Doyle. So what was it like to be refed by somebody of that caliber and with those uh, one-liners um, oh. in his repertoire as well? Yeah, and Rhino Herbst needs to like, he needs to take like a vacation somewhere because he was just sunburned just by yeah. the lashing that he got. He, he can't go anywhere. He hasn't been dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, obviously when you get a guy like JP coming to do your game, um, it's awesome because, you know, I think everybody who watched it can just tell that he's on another level than, than most of the other refs in the league. Um, he just, the way he controls it and the, the respect that, you know, he's earned over his career. Um, gives him the ability to, you know, kind of hit you with those one-liners just because he's done it. He's been around the block. You know, he, he can do that. Um, and, you know, the players realize that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just it, – it's nice for the players because he doesn't – he's not quick with his whistle and he, he kind of lets you play it and then let things develop instead of just kind of jumping to conclusion, which I think we get a lot of in this league uh, with the refs. But, um, but yeah, you know, he's earned the respect and he's earned the right to, to do that. And, and I love it. I like a little bit of banter out there on, on the field. You know, I'm always kind of, you know, John at guys when I get the opportunity. So uh, I, I'm all for, I'm all for the one-liners and, uh, and everything like that. So, I mean, he put me in my place there yeah. early on in the yeah. game. So uh, yeah, I learned, I learned my lesson early. So I, I didn't get too bad of a lashing <laughs> from him. Uh, we want to kind of take a look at like the league as a whole so far this year, you know, we've, we're basically at the point where we were in 2020 when things shut down five weeks in. What do you think the level of play has been like this season? I don't know how much how much of the other games you guys watch, but just in terms of some of the rugby that's being played right now uh, in the States, what how do you think things have been going? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the, the standard of rugby has gone up. It's, I think it's gone through the roof actually this year. And I think just the parity in the league as well. You know, pretty much any team could could potentially win on any day. Um, it's it's who's going to show up and play the best that day is probably going to walk away there with the with the with the win. Um, so that's nice to see. When before, if you had an off day, you could probably you know uh, you could sneak away with a win even if you didn't bring your best stuff. But now with the parity and all the league or sorry, all the teams getting better and uh, and stuff like that, it means that you got to come up. You know 
hundred percent ready to go that day or, or you're not going to walk away with, uh, with that win. And I think that, that could be, I'm not saying that we weren't hundred percent ready for our games, but I think we maybe just weren't ready for that at the start of the year. Do you think like there's anything, I guess, like, I guess for the first couple of games this season, it's like the fact that there was basically for most of the teams that there was no preseason and stuff. Is that also kind of like factor into maybe kind of, I guess, sort of like the chaotic start? Cause I know it's been like, a little bit of a running joke in a lot of like rugby, like the media circles that like nobody can predict games right now. And like, I don't think I've seen a single like podcast or like TV or media member that's like above 500 with their picks right now. So it's been a little chaotic. Do you think there's like maybe a bit of like a mix of like the fact that the preseason was kind of weird? Like, does that, do you feel that that's kind of factored into the way the season's Um, kind of started? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at our squad, who, who played a game within the last 12 months or sorry, 12 months um, apart, like a, a proper game that, that, that had a meaning behind it. You know, there probably wouldn't have been more than a handful of guys. Um, so it, it was, it's tough. And I think, you know, we, we started out the season. I, I don't think we played bad early on. We just didn't, I think, uh, you know, things didn't go our way um, along the line, you know, multiple reasons. Um, and I think we st- started to show kind of what we could do against uh, DC that week. And the guys were starting to feel confident and then tough one the week uh, after. And then this week, this past week, sorry. um, I think you're really starting to see the guys come together and there's not the uh, little mistakes that that kind of crept into the game uh, that, you know, you saw the first two or three weeks of the year. And I think, you know, every week moving forward now is just going to be, you know, even better and better and the guys will be more comfortable playing with each other because there is, there is a big uh, difference, you know, playing with guys that you haven't necessarily played with or it's been a while, just getting that chemistry and that timing and, and kind of knowing what they're going to do um, before they do it or as they're doing it and react off that. So I think, yeah, not having the preseason, it definitely hurt us a bit, but I think now we're starting to really, uh, you know, get some, you know, we're getting fluid in our game and not making those, tiny mistakes as they probably crept in the first few games of the year so right um looking at the the, across the league again i want to ask you uh which canadian from another team has impressed you because again the 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 rosters uh have really kind of shone a lot of really uh strong in canadian games so who's who, who who from another team has really impressed you um, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't watched, honestly, a ton of uh, the other games. Can't say DTH, obviously. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I know Josh Larson. He's been playing really well for uh, the Free Jacks. I know he's their skipper as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched, you know, to be honest, a ton of other games. I've only watched a handful of them. But I would probably say him from what I've seen so far. Yeah, he's looking good and, you know, leading that side there. And I think that the Free Jacks could be a potential playoff contender, you know, rolling into uh, the the latter half of the the season. So So kind of looking ahead then, like next week you kind of got New New York. And realistically, you know, even as weird as I guess the season has been, right? Like if you beat New York, you're technically – you would be – level with the team in first place right now so it's it's kind of weird how the season's kind of shaken up and you know even even there there was a bit of you know a bit of a rough start but it's like the team ultimately seems like you're in pretty good shape after the first five weeks still when you look at the standing so 
going into like into next week, like what are you expecting out of New York? And what do you think like some of the, the keys would be to like for an arrows victory uh, next Sunday? Um, yeah, just kind of tapping on that point, you know, it's uh, it kind of makes it, you know, this game's huge for us this week. Like you said, um, if we, you know, come away with a five point bonus, win, we could be top of the table in the East after kind of a poor start from us would be huge. Um, and it also makes you realize that it's a long season. Um, you know, the first few weeks aren't going to determine where you finish and how important conference games are this year. Um, I don't think we've seen that yet in the MLR, but conference games are going to have a lot bigger impact on uh, how the table finishes at the end of the year. Um, just because there can be those, um, you know, eight, nine point swings based off if somebody wins, somebody loses and teams shuffle more. Um, and then leading into the game, yeah, we, we, we've done a bit of, uh, you know, film work on them. They're going to definitely go to their, their line out in their mall. They mall 80% of the line outs that they play, essentially. And, and just pretty standard New York uh, rugby, kind of what they've shown the last few years, the dominant set piece and, and kind of try and bully you off it. Hard, you know, hard runners, big bodies that are just going to try and come crashing down on you. Um, so, but I, I mean, if we stick with, uh, the systems that we have in place and, and, and things like that. I, I think that um, we should definitely be able to expose them out wide. You know, we got, we got some flyers out there and uh, we'll win that battle up front and hopefully create a bit of space for them to uh, get the pretty ones under the sticks. So. The seven point pretty ones under the sticks. Yeah. Well, I want them. We, we told them no more seven pointers. The boys need a little, little break <laughs> after we score. We can't. I was uh, going to ask if that, that's been a point. It's been uh, Brian Wait Ray of the American Rugby News yeah. has been really uh, trying to get that that uh, rule disallowed just because of how silly it is, you know? Yeah, we want no, no kick is guaranteed. Yeah, we were, we were running back, and then all of a sudden the team's sprinting up, getting ready to kick off, and I catch my breath. I'm out of panting out there. I'm dying, <laughs> telling Karch to kick the ball away so they can't kick it and all this stuff. Yeah, I hate that rule. That's the worst rule they could have Yeah, it, it could be tactical too. You know, later in a game, maybe you, you could go straight under, but you take that time to kill a few minutes. But uh, yeah, you know, always grateful when one of those boys, uh, you know, dotted down outside the outside of the post to give give the uh, the other guys a bit of a breath. I know you said uh, you don't necessarily haven't watched a ton of games, but Joe Peterson did that exact thing uh, for San Diego two weeks ago. He oh yeah, kind of did it to like it was. I guess it didn't end up working because they ended up kind of losing, but it was definitely like, uh, I'm going to try to kill a little clock kind yeah. of for here. It so. could definitely be a tactical thing for sure. So, now I, I got one more question for you. Have you been influencing the decision to give Ross Brody time into watching Trailer Park Boys? Like, is that is that your East Coast influence trying to, to get him influenced in that? No, that was the snake man, Colby Francis. He, uh, <laughs> that was all his doing is he, I, that guy could be a bigger fan than me. And I love the trailer park boys, <laughs> but uh, they spent a bit of time together up in Toronto and uh, I think he got him hooked on it. So uh, I just saw that video today, actually. I it's didn't it's gotten that. to the point, like I remember Colby posting something about it, but it's gotten to a point now where the arrows have to actually acknowledge it because it's gotten to that yeah. point. Yeah, it's crazy. I uh, I love how he watches it. I love that show. But uh, I'd say if Ross was probably anybody, he'd probably be a Cyrus on the Trailer Park Boys. Just a, a little disturber that he was. I don't know if you remember 
remember him. He was in the first yeah. few seasons. So, yeah. But uh, I love how we love how we love to watch it. So awesome. Well, Cole, we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, meeting with us. You know, the next few weeks are going to be really exciting, especially with some of the teams you're you're playing. So we hope that uh, you stay healthy and you enjoy your time and then you enjoy the rugby. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it, Dan. Well, gentlemen, we want to get, once again thank Cole for for coming on the show. He has just had a, a a good start to the season with so much turmoil in in the in the in the front row. You know, he's had a busy busy season. Twenty six carries for ninety four meters, forty tackles, ninety seven ruck arrivals. And Derek, thank you for finding the stat for me because it is such a good one. He has been credited with one lineout steal. So if anyone can find out which where he got that lineout steal, I will I will be very happy because that is a, such a like fun niche stat for Cole to hang on his his wall. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. All right. Well, he's been he's been playing great to start the season. Uh, you know, as he, like that transition from uh, loose to tight heads, obviously, you know, kind of different. But I think he's kind of handling it well and. You know, it's kind of been a, a bit of a rock for the team too. As for sure. Front row is kind of especially with in, you know with Quatrin being hurt a little bit, and and you know the the, the loose head position being up, totally up for grabs with you know Brower gone, Asiata gone. You know he really has done a good job of keeping shoring shoring up the the front row. Well, guys, let's let's quickly talk about this arrows game because we talked a little bit about about it with with Cole, but I want to kind of go through some of the how you felt about that game. Cause boy, it was, it was a game. Um, especially it, it, it's so funny cause it's, it's just this outlier. It just kind of stands out uh, amongst the rest of the games, which were all such, all, they're all other, all the other games were great as well, but like all of them were within, you know, five or 10 points. This game was a blowout. So let's, let's get into it. Um, kind of, if you know, re- refresh your minds, the arrows one fifty two to seven, Seven different try scores to Colette Lesage, Brody, uh, Parfrey, McRogers, Higgins, and Cortez. Uh, Adams, perfect, 100% with his conversions, one for one with his penalty. Something about the Arrows and their kickers having great games, uh, you know, against the Seawolves in the last year or so. Um, Mike Shepard for the Seawolves got on the board, um, and Seema made the kick. You know how do we feel? How did you feel about this game, guys? What worked well? I think is, is a great way to get started, Stu. Uh, I feel really good because waking up for an early morning kickoff—not as early as on the West Coast, but you know, still before midday—and um, then everything just seemed to click. I talked about it last week about composure when you're under pressure needing to be a thing that they had to work on last week. I don't think they were at any point under pressure this week, but I also think that, you know, if you're um, 24 nil at halftime, it's easy to just be like, ah, we've got this, yeah. Let's take it easy. And then, um, but I will. So I say that they did have composure this week because if you look back on the first half, there were instances where Seattle were on the verge of scoring tries and then it would either be, you know, a turnover penalty or it would be something like a neck roll that is another penalty that uh, they conceded. Poor right Lucas Rumble, he, he is, 
his neck has taken a beating the last couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. It's, but that's the thing is that um, if the Seawolves had the same level of composure as the Arrows had in that game, it wouldn't have been only seven points they had or the try under the, the post that they were probably supposed to have had before the try by Mike Shepard. But yeah, yeah, they got the points anyway. So mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Um, but no, it, 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 as if you were a Seawolves fan, I would be completely disheartened by the fact that your team was in the opposition 22 for so long and then walked away with only seven points for the entire game. Um, uh, I think what also worked well was uh, JP Doyle, uh, fantastic <laughs> refereeing as a whole. Oh. I mean, I mean, it, it was some of the things he said also in like- the desert to have him as a referee. But yeah, as in, like, I, I mean, there was the guy who refereed um, New York and Atlanta the previous week who had a few uh, one-liners coming out as well. He was very good, but he's a Kiwi ref, isn't he? Yeah, Mike Mike Lash. He refereed New York again this week, and like this, it's literally just him talking to Andy Ellis for like eighty minutes. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, like a buddy cop movie. Oh man, it's great. Because that's the thing. I think that because um, that's the thing. You if you go on YouTube and you type in like Nigel Owens compilation, you have these like sound, and that's the thing. You don't even need to know like the laws of rugby to just understand what a good one-liner is coming back to from the ref to the player. And, mm-hmm. you know, and even, and like the rugby network have already put out videos of like his one-liner compilations just from that game as well. And then you have the commentators reacting to it as well, which was, you know, just adds to the humor and everything. Um, but ultimately I think he was, he was a very balanced ref. He was very um, clear and eloquent in why he was giving penalties and, you know, and he never, uh, I felt like lost control of the game. I did go on Reddit to like the match thread on the MLR subreddit when it was going on. And there was one guy saying that, oh, I, I'm not found these one-liners. You know, you just admit that he's completely lost control of the game. He did have Seawolves flair though. So, you know, taking that with a pinch of salt. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the thing... The thing that worked well for the Arrows was they did maintain their composure. They didn't step off the gas uh, when they got the bonus point or even when they were leading at half time. Um, you know, and excellent communication, especially in the backs. I think there's already been like a video analysis of Linot's try, I believe. Uh, pardon? McRogers' try. McRogers' try. Sorry, uh, name is confusing. Too much credit for him then. Either, either way, um, you know, mistakes are made. We all make mistakes. It's okay. So, um, but yeah, as in, they've done analysis of like the communication between Higgins and uh, Tukulet. Tukulet, obviously, as well, getting his first try for the Arrows was fantastic. Um, but yeah, every, everything, this, the attack clicked, the defense clicked, the obviously only like, uh, the only criticism you can say really is, oh, they conceded seven points and yeah, yeah and and that's it that's yeah. it this was as flawless as a game that the opposition uh gave them there was opportunities for this opposition to um score but the arrows either they kept their composure or they forced an error on them um yeah attack was on form defense was on form i, this, think, that's this a, just... I think that's a good point Stu. i mean 
I, I, you kind of said that that really that the Seattle didn't have any, um, Seattle didn't have any pressure on the arrows. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that there were definitely stretches in the game where Seattle was playing in the arrows side of the field for good stretches. Yeah, they just could not pull the trigger. It, it missed. Yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. And I think it's not all doom and gloom for Seattle yet. You know, it's mm-hmm. they're one they're one and four, which is not a great start to the season. But other than the Seattle game, most of their games have been close. I mean, you can say that with everybody else in the league, but they just need to get their ducks in a row and, and, and have a little bit of consistency with maybe their fly half situation. Seema had a pretty good game, got crunched by Lesage. Hmm. Um, yeah. And got helped up politely. And they got helped up politely, you know, rugby in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> Stu, who was your, your player of the match? Uh, well, I it's pretty hard to argue when MLR itself awarded the player of the round to uh, the doctor himself, Patrick Parfrey. I mean, I think we were talking last week of that or when the squad came out and that he was at uh, inside centre and we were like, oh, that's a interesting choice for him to be in because we've seen him in be like full backer on the wing. He was fantastic. He was fantastic. I think his role in the squad is utility back. So, yeah. you know, filling the position where needed. But, you know, absolutely phenomenal performance. Obviously, um, capped off by the uh, seven pointer try, which, uh, mm. you know, obviously. Yeah, 13 does well. tackles. You know, he had 72.5 uh, meters um, uh, kicked, uh, 65.2 meters carried. Like he had, you know, he had a very well-rounded game. I think that's when you talk about Pat, that's how it's kind of described. Uh, he has mm-hmm. a, just a, it was just a well-rounded game. Yeah. He also had 14 tackles too. So it's uh, yeah, exactly. at 93%. So it's yeah, that's pretty good defensive, defensive outlook too. Yeah. So how can, how can you argue with those numbers really? Is it just a, just a dynamite performance from him? Well, and, I mean, Lucas Rumble. No, just could could argue with anybody at that point, though. <laughs> um, who 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 impressed you from the from the Sea Wolves? I know when you have a game like this, it's hard to uh, hard to find something that was positive. But who really impressed you from from Seattle? I'm gonna go with Ben Sema. I mean, he was doing all like the kicking duties, and you know, when you only have a conversion as like the physical thing that you can say like, oh, this is what he kicked. Um, then obviously that doesn't sound good. But obviously he was also doing like the kicks um, back down the field whenever there was a turnover. Um, and, you know, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss when it comes to kicking is that, oh, it's just when you kick at post, that's all that matters. Like, no, you got to kick for territory. You got to kick for line out. You got to kick into empty space to gain net territory as well. And Ben Seema was doing like a fantastic job of that. And obviously was able to take a massive hit from uh, Ben Lesage and then be helped up by him, which, uh, you know, you know, I mean, if, if I got tackled by Ben Lesage, I wouldn't be getting up for like a week. No, I'd just, just be like, just bury me on the field. I'm done. It's over. But uh, no, I, th- I think, uh, you know, as you said, it's very, it's kind of hard to find positives. Um, from that game, especially if you're like a Seawolves fan, but you know, Ben Seema, he's got a good uh, track record already. And I think he was able to 
make the most of what is an unfortunate situation in that game. So yeah, Ben Seema. Derek, uh, how did you feel the game went? Let's let's kind of quickly uh, wrap this up. How did you feel yeah, things I mean, went I, with? I think with I, I agree with Cole Keith in the sense that it was their best game. Um, JP Doyle again, I think, like did kind of show that the uh, you know where he he can elevate the standard of officiating in Major League Rugby too. Um, that being said, he definitely owes Kieran Joyce a pint. I hope he gave that to him after the match because that was that was a try. Um, so I'm un- un- unfortunate for Seattle. The one thing with that though, is, is like, if that counts, they kind of avoid the mark of, you know, the, the largest margin of defeat in major league rugby history. If that try counts because they only beat the previous record by five. So, um, so it's kind of, I mean, he might owe Kieran Joyce a pint for that, but <laughs> I think, I think like you kind of said, like refs, I don't think referees need to be funny. I don't think that should be a requirement, but Considering you're mic'd up, it is a little bit of added entertainment value. When it's you just another advertising piece, you know. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I don't like by no means like do I think it should be like it's a requirement to be a ref. You can be obviously a great official and not be funny, but it, it does it does add a little bit. It's something that no other sport really has, you know. What I mean? So like that also helps. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's as um, uh, Cole was talking about. It's like the level of respect you have for him. And he's been yeah. doing this for so long. Is that if it was like John Smith and this was his first MLR game, you'd be like, yeah, maybe pipe down. Let's, let's test. But, uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, JP Doyle obviously has international test experience behind him as well. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, who, um, who's. Oh, just keep going. Sorry, Derek. Yeah. As for like the game itself, obviously, like you guys all touched on, it's it was the best all around complete game, good defensively. Good in attack, great in attack. Probably the best the attacks ever looked. Um, the line out much improved, eighty-eight percent this week, which was better than Seattle's, which is, um, you know, obviously key. Um, Jack McRogers and Della Vega, that was a really nice connection that worked out well. Um, for most of the game, they they even like added a couple, you know, tries using the set piece off the line out. Um, notably, like Jack McRogers' his own try that. You know the uh, the arrows kind of ran a little bit of a disguise with the some of the forwards and sent Tukale coming back the opposite way, and uh, McRogers was able to kind of finish that off. So that was a really well done play off that set piece too, and obviously just to see it connecting a lot more. Mason Flesh came away with his first pro lineout steal in the game too, so that was great to see. Mm-hmm. Great to see some of the young the younger arrows kind of coming in first games making a big impact. Um, Adrian Wadden has obviously he's been solid all year. He was good off the bench in this game as well. Um, I thought like like when you kind of look at it, there was a lot of like I thought Mick Rogers played really well. A big part of that I think was you know his ability to he kind of locked down the line out. It was a lot cleaner. wasn't perfect, but it's a significant improvement over the previous weeks. Um, ben Lesage I thought was unreal. A couple of line breaks, some nice passes, nice offloads. Uh, Un- amazing steal from uh on jo- on fellow canadian center george barton um just literally like almost looked like he like just walked up to him and took the ball out of his hand um <laughs> that was great he got uh he kind of got a couple extra you know a few extra zippers to uh show for his efforts in this game today too so um zippers that's the only way to describe stitches yeah i know we're going with all the other uh, canadian slang because it's a canadian podcast here so yeah um but 
yeah, so he, he, I mean, he's been great all season too. Um, lost the ditch the scrum cap though for uh, for this game, so uh, maybe 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 shouldn't. Maybe I think he put it in after the second half. I think uh, I thought he I thought he just taped it. Did he not just tape? I'm I think he taped it. He came back on after he taped. I thought I saw him wear it in the second half. All good, anyways. Um, but yeah, like Rumball again. Yeah, he had he was outstanding again. He, you know, just seems to be at every single ruck making a positive impact. Um, he had another three breakdown steals again in this game. Um, going into week five, like there were nobody in the league had more than three breakdown steals all year. So he was matching guys season long totals in one game. Um, his lead in that category is just skyrocketing every time he touches the pitch. A um, couple other guys, obviously, two part um, were you know getting their hands on the ball. Like you said, like I thought, like Tukle and Montero and Mirez, that South American flair in the back three, really started to shine through in this game, um, which is just it's it's fun to watch, man. I'm always up for a little uh, little champagne rugby in the uh, in the morning, so you know that's uh that that was great to see. I thought Ross Brody was excellent too. He obviously scored that try running the great support lines after, you know, the Lasage line break offload, offload, offload Brody, finally finishing it um, with Mirez, who was kind of in the mix the whole game too. Um, but I thought like Brody did a great job with like, just maximize like the tactical box kicking and his other tactical kicking, I thought was excellent. Every kick that he put up was very well-placed and, you know, it allowed the Toronto Arrows kick chase, whether that was, you know, whether that was Montero or Tukale, Mirez, Lesage, whoever it may have been. Um, they were always like, you know, if they didn't come away with the ball, they were always right on top of the guy that did. And, but more often than not too, it's like the, the pressure that they were causing. It's like, especially it looked kind of like they kind of targeted kind of at parts of the game where Riker Hadding was standing um, and, you know, Hatting ended up with like two or three like knock-ons or otherwise turnovers off trying to contest for uh, for the high ball. And like the arrows were able to gain a lot of like territory and, you know, get the Seawolves uh, defense scrambling a little bit when they recovered some of those too. Um, so, and, and obviously too, like part of, part of the arrows attack that works so well, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of offloads and stuff that were made and there was a lot of, you know, Brody being able to continue on with uh, like the quick ball and make sure like Seattle's defense never really got a great chance, you know, at recovering. So, you know, great kind of overall game, you know, kind of looking at the stat lines, there's a couple things that stand out that really are like, you know, the arrows had 11 line breaks to Seattle's five. Um, Obviously um, the arrows also had six breakdown steals to Seattle's two. Um, tackle percentage for the arrows again back up to 86. Um, so it's like that's their you know, I think what game was it that we we're talking about that was like it was really bad or something like, um, whatever. There was one that was earlier in the season that it was like it was pretty bad, but like it, um, you know, obviously it's it's skyrocketed a lot, and um, you know, it's you know, it's it's great to kind of see that, like, you know, as Cole Keith kind of said, right? It's like it's starting to you know, it's starting to kind of click in, everybody looks like. You know, like they, like you said, Dan. Like I think Dan, you mentioned, like earlier in the year, earlier in the season, Tukle had a couple like offloads that he just kind of threw away to nobody. And now in this game, it was like when he threw away an offload, it was there's a guy there, right? It's like it looks like uh like the offense and stuff is is gelling like significantly more. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
like I kind of said like earlier in the season, like I, I'm go- going with like a general outlook on this on the year now. Um, we've kind of talked about how it's like the arrows have been losing, but not necessarily playing terribly, or like they've been hanging in games, and then there would be like a you know a big play. Like we talked about with the LA Giltinis game last week, the stat line is actually really even if you take out the 10 minute yellow card, like over 70 minutes, that game was actually a lot more even than it kind of looked. And then LA exploded during a yellow card, which fair play, fair play to LA. That's what you do with yellow cards. Um, And they got blown, ended up being blown out in a game where the stats may have suggested that it was a little bit closer. And I think even in this game too, like the stats may have suggested that the Seawolves maybe were a little bit closer than that. Um, but, but I think like going into this, like you look at the standings now and, you know, New York is the only team with three wins in the Eastern conference. Old glory has one win and then everybody else has two, right? It's like Toronto plays New York next week. Right. And like mathematically, like how it kind of breaks down. It's like, they're, they're only, they're only what five points back of New York. Right. Like that's, you know, with the way the Eastern conference kind of looks, it's, it's kind of crazy because it looks like all the teams are kind of like they're they're all just you know take you know throw a punch take a punch kind of just in a battle with all the other teams so it's it's really close and even even with you know starting two and three i think you know going into next week yeah. bring if the arrows bring what they brought here and obviously you know keith mentioned you know the line out is going to be key because that's what rooney does right they they line out they maul and they're probably one of the best in the league at it, right? So, but also you kind of have like Lucas Rumball on the other side, who's probably one of the best players in the league at swimming through malls and stealing malls, right? So yeah, so we'll see, we'll see where we'll we're, see what happens we'll next week. But that game. but yeah, I mean, I'm not like it, it was great to see, and it's hopefully it's a it's a sign of things to come. And I mean, I think now that now that the league's kind of settling in, I think we'll get into the rest of the week here. Um, but I think like the the quality of play in week five significantly higher in my opinion sure. than one um it looks like guys guys are kind of getting the uh i think the covid legs are kind of gone right like um there's no no everybody's everybody's now you're back you're in the full swing of things and you know i think i think teams are kind of kind of start figuring it out so with that being said what other games you guys want to talk about yeah i um i definitely really enjoy that arrows game um yeah i enjoy it when they win a lot more too yeah. You talked about you talked about um, Pat Parfrey. I also want to talk just say that I, I really liked um, Jack Rogers game. Yeah, he was great. He yeah. played 80 minutes. I mean, we kind of talked. We weren't really sure how much time Quadrant was really going to get, especially after coming off the field last last week. So uh, McRogers played well, got rewarded with the try. That guy just kind of has the nose to be in the right position. He, he's. I was going to say like with McRogers, like he played 80 and stuff, but like, what do you guys think of like the lineup going in the next week? Like, I mean, bar barring, barring any like injuries that we don't know about, like, you know, as long as, as be, I think be, you start McRogers. I honestly think you do. Yeah. I mean, he's he, like he's you be up against Fawcett. Who's the best. Yeah. I, I would say the best hooker in an MLR. He's up there. So, hey, Vel, Velenu on LA is probably. Yeah. Fawcett to run for his money there too. But yeah. Um, so it's hard, you know, I, I want to reward the kid who's been 
has the hot hand. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe make a short leash. Yeah, maybe. Um, just, you... it, it, all, it all depends on how, how Quatrain's feeling, right? Like, if he feels good enough to come in early, if if things aren't going well with the line out or, you know, the scrum. I, I think back to that, that Atlanta game from last year. You have him as an impact sub, comes on at halftime, and he really makes a, a nuisance of himself in the second half, and that could be the the bit that pushes you over and then, and then reevaluate after, after. Yeah, I think I, I'd agree with that. I, I would keep them there unless like, I mean, unless like Quatrain, yeah, you, know, you know, like I don't just, I have no idea just kind of speculating and stuff, but yeah, he did come out injured. The arrows only really have two hookers. So, um, you know, maybe there's like a reason that he was on the bench and stuff, but like, um, but I, I think across the board, though, I think like you know, Mason Flesh looked really good um, in his first career MLR game. I think to like you know Parfrey, like how do you like in all like how do you put Detroit back in at center right now? I don't, he just put in he'd put in a player of the week performance, right? Like how like that's a that's, yeah. that'd be a tough one. Like I'm not, that's, and that's, that's not like really that, tough and that's not meant to be like any like disrespect or like a shot against Detroit the way he's been playing, but it's like. You know, I think I don't know. I'm just kind of like if you're, you know, technically below 500 on the year, and you just put up a record-setting performance. I'm, I would lean toward keeping the lineup pretty much the same, barring like maybe swapping. Well, the thing to me is that that Detroit wasn't even in the lineup. He wasn't even on the bench. No, yeah, I know, I know. And then the guy that replaced him played great. So yeah, Spencer Jones. Yeah, and you also have Spencer Jones Jones on the thing. Yeah, but even like, like, but even like I. I, I'm tempted to even be like Roland stays in ahead of Cortez too, because no, I I'm very happy with that situation. I think I think Roland until he he forces the 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 coach's hands. I think he has that spot because that he oh, he yeah. played so well, so well. It's fun. To, it's fun to talk about like a really nice big win and stuff like that. But it's like I think I think that is one of those things though where it's like if the arrows are successful. I think is where the depth really like really kind of starts to show. Cause you can like, like, you know, when, the, when you can kind of mix around the lineup and it's like, I think like the ability of that team to bring in like Mason flesh and just be like, you're starting and have him play as well as he did um, mm-hmm. is, you know, that's, that's amazing. And you can, the fact that you can do that for every player, it's like, you know, maybe if you're not playing well, maybe like the ax can fall a little bit harder because you know, like there's guys, behind that's like they're ready to go and can make an impact in the league right all right guys well let's talk about some of the games that uh happened this week um i want to talk about first uh the austin versus atlanta game and i don't want to talk i want to actually talk about the referee which is interesting because we talked so much about canadian Doyle. yeah mo chantry i think had a really really strong game kind of uh, that that game, there were a couple times where where cooler heads needed to prevail, and I think Mo did a fantastic job. Um, really fun game to watch. Um, I think this will be the game that people remember where the chances that you missed really made a difference in this game. I mean, it was the final score was um, seventeen to fifteen, and Austin. The way Austin played in the first half, it should have been way, 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 way higher. They they really missed some chances by just making silly mistakes or giving up penalties. So, um, really entertaining game. The final was, 
final like five minutes were crazy. Uh, so I uh, really enjoyed that game. Great to see a, a Canadian ref, um, you know, have his have a have a good game. The Canadians weren't really used a lot in this game. Uh, Mo Abdelmanum uh, kind of came on late. Uh, same thing with Cole Davis. They they kind of came on came on late. Connor Keys had a pretty good game. Um, was effective in the lineup. Came out, you know, in the second half. Uh, he's kind of in this weird situation, right? Like, and we talked about it last year with. Uh, Johan Momsen. Momsen had a monster season last year, and he's kind of not hasn't had that same effect this year. He had a really good game against the Arrows, but since then, Connor was able to kind of get that starting five jersey. But it's got to be kind of hard to know that you've got Momsen on the bench, kind of nipping at your heels. So I think he had a good game. Um, uh, so I really enjoyed watching that game. It was it was fun. Yeah, um, he's he's had uh, eleven tackles at one hundred percent, three lineout takes, twenty two meters carried. Yeah, um, like you said, just, Mo, Mo kind of he made two tackles in his brief appearance, mm-hmm. and uh, Cole Davies only had one carry, but he had the the great like running all the way to the try zone, jumping fist pump celebration. Yeah, oh, he had a great Mac celebration Mason's, on Mac Mason's penalty to win that game. Um, but yeah, yeah, it chaotic ending though, eh? like the, dr- yeah. the drop goal that, the, 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 well, there at first there was the Connor Mooneyham try, which was like crazy try. Everyone was losing their minds and, and it was good. And then, and then, uh, the, the rugby ATL comes down and Petzer lands this like super long kick and it just silenced the crowd. And then, uh, Austin just, you know, charges back down the field and, and you're right. That block kick gets blocked, but then they get the ball back and then they pull a penalty and then he makes the kick and the, the crowd was going crazy. It was, it was, it was a fun game. It was a lot of fun. And I really have been enjoying watching Austin this year. They have been my, my American team to watch and enjoy. Um, they got to do something about their locks getting hurt. My God, they're, they're eating those things up. Like my daughter eats up eggs. Like it's insane. Like my daughter eats like three eggs in like a sitting and she's two and a half years old. It is horrifying. horrifying. Isaac, Ross showing, Isaac Ross showing up and just uh, getting a try right away. Oh yeah. And like, then getting hurt. The most, yeah. And like, then getting hurt. Yeah. The most all black thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you, you uh, well, that's, I was about to say you were, you were focusing in Austin and I was uh, focusing on Houston. So let me put it this way. Um, DTH Vandamoa. Fan of the show. We've had him on the show. He loves us. Um, you know, m- top, the highest try scorer for Canada ever. Um, scores a fantastic try for LA. You know, decorated, um, fantastic career in Europe. And the highest he could be is the second best Canadian in this match. Because honestly, for me, having um, watched the game live and then gone back and watched it again, Robbie Povey was phenomenal. I mean, he, I mean, his first try, um, you know, just had repellent on him because no one could get close enough to like grab him until it was too late. Um, second try immediately at the start of the second half to, you know, get the momentum back onto Houston's side. I thought he had a Fun, I've said it already, but a phenomenal performance. And, you know, this is a guy who's played for Canada before, but he's played a fullback. And now, and, you know, on the team which has, 
Sam Windsor as well. I thought, oh, Sam Windsor, he'll be, because uh, he's uh, normally the kicker, so he'll be going in at number 10 instead. No, just um, mixing it up um, and having uh, Robbie as uh, number 10 instead. Um, I've also got to say, probably one of my favorite tries of the week was, um, I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize, uh, Zach Pangalinen. Um, his Angel. Pangalinen, his um, breakaway um, effort, and then unfortunately, I think something went in his leg. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but he immediately offloads, and then the try scored. And everyone's celebrating the try, and there's Zach on the pitch, face down in the dirt, knowing that uh, his game's over, at least. It also didn't help that the guy who replaced him was also called Zach, but Zach with a K and not with a H. So, a bit of confusion. Um, but can we, like, where does this Houston team come from? Because this was not the Houston that was playing in, like, the first three weeks. This was... Like something out of the ether. This is the most that LA have ever been challenged. I feel, and I mean, I know the arrows challenged them for like the first like thirty-eight minutes, but after that yellow card, it was just out of sight. Um, I think, yeah, until like the seventy-minute mark, Houston definitely had LA's number for a considerable period. Um, even and um, I think it didn't help that uh, Carty wasn't. Um, you know, always on point with the conversions. Um, and then Gitau uh, came on to replace him and his uh, first few attempts from the boot weren't that great. And then they just went to Burton, who then got the two conversions that were needed. Um, but yeah, do you guys get the feeling that maybe LA are starting to, you know, the uh, the old joints uh, feeling the effort? Yeah, I mean... It'll be LA. I think LA. I think continues to be the most fascinating and interesting team in the league for a multitude of reasons. Um, but yeah, like if I'm, I think I think you're kind of right though. Like I think if you're every other team in Major League Rugby, especially the Western Conference teams, you're dissecting this game to kind of be like, all right, where did? Because there was that crazy stat. Because I know. Um, like I think it was a, at halftime they showed the graphic on TV where it was like LA had like 75% of the possession, but the game oh, was yeah. close or whatever. And it was like it was kind of less like like I don't know, like maybe maybe Houston kind of like I mean ultimately they lost, so I don't really do it, but it's like I think the the LA Guiltinis almost kind of remind me of like the 80s Oilers, where it was just kind of like it's like, I don't know how good their defense is, but their offense is probably so good that it doesn't matter how good their defense is. Yeah. Because it'd be like, you know, like the 80s Oilers were like, yeah, you can score six goals. We're scoring eight and doesn't matter. Um, and I think LA is kind of playing almost like the same way right now. Like just kind of being like, 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 I think they kind of look at us. Yeah, cool. Score 33 points. Right. It's like, we're going to score 40. It's, it's fine. We're not worried about it. Um, but it's like, I do kind of wonder like, like, cause you know, everything like, cause it's like, there was definitely holes, right? Like L- Houston was hanging with LA, especially like on the score. Like you, if you kind of look at this, like the stats um, for the game and it's like every stat in this game suggests that like LA annihilated Houston, right? Like there's ball carries 111 to 71. They have nearly 300 more meters 
um, double the amount of line breaks, like 15% more gain line made. Um, they are even on turnovers, 10 and 11. So Houston kind of hung with them on that. Um, tackles and stuff. It's like, it, it, it is relative. Like penalties conceded was even. Um, like Houston had a better ruck. The line out was pretty even, only off by a couple percentage. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's like, I wonder, like, the, the LA def- the LA offense is obviously the best in the league. That back line is just ruthless and lethal but the defense i feel like there's holes in it still and i wonder if like the way you beat la is like i wonder because it's like i'm very curious to see austin play la yeah i sorry derek i i think that there's one team in the west that can right now beat la and that's austin yeah just how strong their defense is and i think just the mobility and the size of their back line is going to be really interesting to see um, and then, like, I can see a team like New York or Rugby ATL having having a really, really uh, a good chance of beating them. Um, I don't, I don't think LA is like infallible. I just think like, like I mean, part, I think, but that's it. Like, I don't think anybody in the West can beat LA right now. I think is though, like, like, I wonder, I wonder though, like, what I'm curious about right now, and I mean, like, smarter rugby people than me will have to be the ones to figure it out. <laughs> and I'm hoping those, and presumably those guys are coaches and stuff in Major League Rugby. Um, but, like, I wonder if the way to, like, you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, how do you stop LA's attack? And maybe, the like, what if the answer to that question is just you don't, but you do what you t- Houston did and just attack back? It's like, if you touch the ball, just like, yeah, sure. Like, start of the game, just be like, all right, cool. We're playing LA. Just, yeah. Have your captain walk up to Dave Dennis when they're, you know, doing the, the coin toss or whatever and just be like, hey, bud, man, race you to 50. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, uh, like, who cares about defense? Let's go. It's like, well, that, you know, that game had, uh, had, uh, Povey, uh, Hildenbrand, uh, Albornoz, uh, and then Liam Murray, unfortunately, was not used. Um, but it was really cool to see, uh, DTH, um, take the time to take a picture with some of the lads and, and, and post a, a photo about the academy. Uh, the Pacific Pride Academy, which is a really cool kind of acknowledgement of of where MLR is right now with some of the growing Canadian stars and, and now having a legend in the league and where it's going. It's it's it was a cool little bit of kind of self awareness for the for for uh, Rugby Canada. Al Bornas was also fantastic in this game too. He had uh, twelve tackles, which was second on the team. Breakdown steal, fourteen mm-hmm. bucks, which was also second on the team. A couple cleanouts and stuff. So. It was a that, that I think that was his first like really like big MLR. Right. So that was good to see from him too. Um, we're gonna quickly uh, blow through the rest of the games, guys. Um, Nola versus New England, another close game. Swamp rugby is what I described. <laughs> Bye you rugby. Bye you rugby. I I I I thought I'd see Shrek kind of walking through the pitch. <laughs> it was so swampy. Might as well, man. Um, Josh Larson had a good game. Uh, you know, Colt kind of talked about it. He was on his, he was on the flank, uh, this game wearing the six Jersey. Uh, but I thought he had a good game. Um, no, uh, no Canadians for Nola, which was a little strange to see. Um, Eric Howard pulled out at the last minute due to maybe he saw the pitch and said, ah, I'm okay guys. <laughs> the knee, it hurts. Uh, so, you know, too bad. I don't want to say, I don't say from a, um, Ospreys fan point of view, this was Hanno Dirksen's first game for Nola, I believe, coming off the bench. How did he do so? Uh, uh, he did pretty well. I mean, 
I think it's like the best thing is that he um, was his first game for Nola was in the Mardi Gras kit. And now Nola just need to ensure that for them to win every other game going forward, that has to be their kit. But yeah, you know, no, it was a pretty sweet well. kit combo. I, I love yeah. that, that uh, I, New England yeah. jersey. So I do not envy the guy that had to clean New England's kit at the end. Of the <laughs> oh, God. A, white kit, a white kit in that. Dude, at least like at least the Mardi Gras kit that's gonna hide dirt a little bit. You probably get away with, uh, but man, you, you gotta if you gotta go play in the. I spot. think those are the charity charity jerseys at the end of the season. You don't use oh, those jerseys. Nice, again. yeah. Those, you, those are the those are the Bayou rugby. Yeah, the, the more mud, the more mud, the more valuable. Exactly. Man. Yeah, it's gotta have a certain smell to it, and yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. That's why I don't know. Prop jerseys go for a lot more. I don't know. I think maybe to like clean it, you just have to do one of those like diving tries and then hit the puddle of water. Outside the trouser, and that washes uh, all the mud off. And what's great is you don't even have to make sure you stay in touch when you do it. Yeah, it's fantastic. These are awesome, absolute animals. Um, San Diego and Utah also clashed. Um, I don't know about you guys. I didn't watch this game because it was on uh, CBS Sports, and then I just I've been watching the Arrows games, the Arrow game, so much that I haven't had time to watch it again. Um, uh, Travis, Travis Larson was in the game, but unfortunately, Michael Smith was not used by uh san diego and then utah didn't use fraser hearst so in terms of canadians it was yeah. a longer game yeah yes yeah, yeah. Uh, the second time that uh with baska in the lineup that houston or that uh utah sorry has elected to not use hearst they just rolled baska the whole game so interesting kind of situation for uh, the young canadian scrum half to kind of find himself in it's like hey i was like i kept you as a float of the scrum half position now you're not going to use me what's the What's what's the deal here, guys? So you, coach. Like you, were, you looked like you were going to bring in some thoughts on this game, Stu. Um, I thought one thing that was very respectful is obviously uh, Mikey Teo, former legionnaire, um, now playing for the opposition, scored a try and then immediately ran back to his own half. You know, you don't want to be celebrating against like your old team, even though that it seems like all the other players were more than keen to celebrate. Um, also, Hagen Schultz had a fantastic game as well you know scoring two tries especially the i think it was the try at the end or the penultimate try for utah that um really helped them out because you know there they had uh able to get a losing bonus point because but um you know san diego even though they said they were coming home uh california you know halfway there um but uh you know they uh grandly is dignity health sports park not the big stadium but one of the grounds there it looked pretty good actually um you know i was worried it was going to be you know eye level camera like we had in uh, las vegas oh, but God. glad <laughs> we're glad it wasn't i've snow globed that game out of my mind <laughs> i forgot about that um speaking of uh speaking of new stadiums too we got uh new york and dc kind of did battle it was kind of uh, it was kind of like nice to see like the ball diamond behind the pitch. See, like, that's what I was wondering because I'm like, I'm trying to think this, now of how wide like the rugby pitch is, and like because the other side of the pitch, like the the side that was closest to the camera, you could mm -hmm. see the warning track, and I'm like, what's a home run? Like a deep center home run here? Like, too much of their play a game. You see a <laughs> ball come flying. The I, I feel like they don't play at the same time. The yeah, I no, think that's. I did, but if someone's messing around, like like you know practicing their, their swing and you see a dinger come by the fly half goes to kick the ball for yeah. you know after a try and gets dinged yeah yeah 
Is is the are the posts like in play? Do they leave the post in for the uh, for baseball? <laughs> kind of like what, what Houston used to have back in the nineties, just random poles and hills and stuff on their pitch. It's just, you know, it's home field. Yeah. These are the questions that that we yeah. that Derek yeah asked. exactly. This is why we're yeah. talking about the podcast because I want to know if anyone's ever yeah. hit six hundred foot home run over a football game at this baseball. Okay, game. to go back to the sport that was actually taking place on Sunday, um, there was a curling match. Yeah, no, I know. No, Fantastic. Actually, no, really interesting thing. So, so Rachel Holman uh, won a uh, a Grand Slam yesterday cool. after giving birth to a child like a, like less than a month ago. That's impressive. That's amazing. That, that, that is you know, insane. You know what, that's that's absolute credit to her. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know what? You can bring up that curling fact. That's really cool. You, yeah, you can bring up that. I'll allow that one. Okay. Um. Anyways, okay. but to go back to the actual sport yeah. that was playing on the rugby network. Yeah. So, oh, and this will go. Um. So while that grand slam was happening, um, you know, there's only one Canadian that was actually playing, which was uh, Quinn Nawali, who, after seeing his try, I can only assume he's a magician because a second before. DC had the ball, and then a second later, Quinn scoring a try. <laughs> How does that work? Oh, um, there's basically New York turned the ball over really quick, and then like I mean, the fifth like, Troy Lockyer is considered the magician, so anything. Yeah, uh, okay, uh, now it makes sense. And by God, did he look good? Um, New yeah. York. What do you do? What do you do with Foden? They're they're back. I mean, I, <laughs> retire him. Their back line is really good, man. Yeah. Um, right, like, uh, you know, just just across just across the board on it. Like their their backlines, their backlines great. Um, you know, they had uh, you know, they they had Will Will Leonard and um, um, Fuatai and the centers. Then they had Nawadi Nawadi Miranda and Lockyer in their back three mm-hmm. with. Andy Ellis and Dan Holland's head, who's kind of looks like they're quickly becoming one of the premier nine tens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's talking like Holland said not being around next year because they think that he's gonna, he could get picked up somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, good. So I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised by it. I mean, you know, all black all black scrum half is kind of like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel like like major league rugby is like some some like these big name guys kind of come in. And maybe don't make like that impact that they're kind of your their name would suggest that they're living up to. But it's like New York looks like they have an all black playing scrum half for them right now. And I think it really shows. Yeah, I feel bad for Connor McManus. His his mm. game IQ is so ridiculously high and stuff that like even like the stuff that he kind of tries to do and like the way he talks to refs and stuff, you can tell it's like there's a method to the madness through through everything. Um yeah, Lockyer was amazing coming back. Um, just the slicing through defenses. You know, all right, picked up a try. Holland said had a try. Alice had a try. Um, all the big names had a try. Fawcett, obviously, Tok- the token Rooney lineup mall try. So, you know, Errol's got to watch out for that next week. Quinn Nawadi, though, man, he's um gotta say, I'm like, I mean, obviously, we kind of talked about how like, last week how deep Rooney is at center, and I mean Lockyer shifted around and stuff that's adds to the mix too but like i'm starting to kind of like nawadi on the wing man like especially like when he gets the ball in hand he's big he's tough to bring down um he's taken advantage of the opera like he's finishing strong um second try in two weeks here but he's also like he's playing well on the defensive side of the ball too he made a hundred percent of his tackles in this game um sticking it out for like the full 80 minutes once again i think it looks like New York really likes them there. So 
um you know hopefully like let's get him playing time keep him there i'm, yeah, I'm okay exactly. with it. the back line too. i know i kind of complained about it a couple weeks ago but yeah i agree with you there yeah he's he's mm-hmm. looking good man and it's like it just adds another weapon to the repertoire really like if you can do both you kind of wait i mean earlier in the pod we talked about um you know pat parfrey and a big a big plus on pat parfrey as a player is just ultimate versatility that he has mm-hmm. that he can play basically everywhere right so it's like you kind of add that to to your repertoire it's it works. I mean, it's working out really well for uh, for Rugby United New York here too. So, um, hopefully, hopefully, like they'll they're at the top of the league right now, right? So, um, hopefully, their success can kind of with Nawadi on the wing, or maybe that that backline will continue to click. It's kind of a scary backline. Um, yeah, let's not have them click next week. Yeah, let's not have them. <laughs> get this, they can start clicking on week seven. Also, yeah. the jerseys that they wore, really, really nice. You know, yeah, I, I was actually jerseys or whatever. Five weeks into the season, like on the kit reveal, I don't, I wasn't like, I don't remember if I was like too high on them, but like now that I've seen them for five weeks, I'd like they're one of my favorite kits in the league. Mm-hmm. Like something works. Something I didn't realize is on the left sleeve is a map of the New York subway. Oh, that's cool too. Like, yeah, there's so yeah. like both the blue, the blue and the orange kit too. I really like the orange one. I think. They got, well, they got three. Yeah, it looks good. So, like all- it's it's really, really good. The new logo is fifty million times better than their old one. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, we got a little bit of uh, we, uh, we got a little bit of news because we want to talk about. Uh, uh, did we missed a game. I feel of- like we missed a game. No, we didn't miss a game, did we? Nope. we got everything. No, we, we got everybody. We got it. We got it. We that a little bit faster. Um, we want to talk about um the Saracens, but but uh the, the women's Saracens because uh. Uh, Sophie De, De Good had probably one of the best tries in women's rugby this season, and also just had an amazing. Uh, we we talked about her when we first started this po- podcast when Aaron Castro came on and talked to Derek and I about um, God, what was it called? The Super Series. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what the it was. Super Series, like California for like in California, and and, and De Goody had a uh, a great performance there and one of the, the strange things is she's she's a back rower that kicks that kicks it's amazing and we hadn't seen it with the saracens but um personally she scored 18 points scoring two tries uh it, just an amazing performance and you know what uh emma taylor uh was on the blind side flank and scored a try and alicia corrigan was also on the left wing uh, for for the Saracens that had a great game. So uh, hats off to all of the ladies of the, the Canadian ladies of the Saracens for having a great game and keeping themselves in, in pace to, to finish at the top of the table. It's great to see this, you know, unfortunately with that World Cup being posted or postponed another year, next season things are going to be up in the air, especially with if the Premier 15 stay with that weird law that they're trying to introduce to restrict internationals. Um, but I think that'll happen. Uh, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But anyways, uh, cheers, ladies! Great game. All right, guys, let's finish off with our predictions. Um, as it stands, Derek and I are tied with at thirteen, thirteen, and one. Uh, the Toonie is three and three. Uh, and then Stu, you are eight, eighteen, and one. So technically, the Toonie is currently beating Stu. Sure. We'll, we'll winning percentage the sure. toonie. The toonie is beating Stu. Actually, the toonie would technically be beating all of us. All of us. He's, he's five hundred. We are not. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're not five hundred. We're thirteen and yeah, 
13 We're almost 500. All right. Uh, first game, guys. Um, does anyone have a coin ready? Because I do not have a coin. Stu has the toonie. Stu's got the toonie. The official the LaRouge rugby toonie. All right. Uh, Atlanta is the versus... same toonie as last week, Stu? Yes, it is. Because he can't go anywhere to spend it. No, no, so. no. You, yeah, you cannot spend that toonie until at the very least the season is over. Unless whoever the, wins, whoever wins the pool wins that toonie. <laughs> and if it's the toonie, the toonie, I don't know, wins wins us. The toonie will get framed. Yeah. Toonie will get framed. Yeah. Uh okay, Atlanta versus Nola. Derek, who are you picking? Oh man, big uh big rivalry game here. Um yeah, I guess Atlanta, a little bit of a skid. Um I see that Dan is typing Nola. So you know what? Atlanta. Okay. It's, it's a strategy that's worked well for me so far. Stu, who are you picking? I pick Nola. I, I'm in shock because obviously, and this is at the gold mine, isn't it? Or is it yes. in Atlanta? Oh, okay. Hmm. Because or, I think. Let me check that. Let me be sure. I, I think I, when I typed it out, it was European style. So the first team named is the home team. So it's in Atlanta. So it's in Atlanta. So I think. Well, from what I've seen this week, lose a game in Atlanta. I think. So Atlanta have already lost at home, um, and they've lost their most recent game. So I think they're going to be, you know, glad to not be traveling for this game. So I will go with. Atlanta. All right, now let's hear from the Tooney. Yeah, I'm I'm going with with Nola. Um, I think that that game against the Free Jacks was a lot closer because of the weather. Um, I liked what I saw out of Nola. I think that again, they're one of those teams that's had a lot of injuries, uh, and and an influx of players coming in and stuff like that. Damian Stevens is starting to turn things around. I like Nola. Nice. Are we doing uh, heads for home, tails for away? Same rules as last week. It is. Heads. Heads. ATL. All right. Well, I'm the solo man for NOLA. All right. uh, LA versus San Diego. Who is brave enough to pick San Diego? Well, this is the thing. It almost made me look really smart. There was a period of time where they were almost making me look really smart. The fact that yeah. the scoreboard was wrong for half the game too also kind of made me look a little bit closer to being smart. It didn't change anything, Derek. Don't I know? But well, hey, man, I was like, yeah, the weird craziness that is. This no, game. I actually for a second I was very worried. Yeah, there you go. Very, very worried. Um, but you know what? I think I got to revert to logic on this one. Um, yeah, like I, I think we're at the same. I remember last year we were talking about how. Last season, it was like, there's no reason to pick against Toronto and LA or Toronto and San Diego, excuse me, last year. And I think now, you know, five weeks into the season after LA's played four games, I think we're hitting that territory where it's like, it's literally like, if you're just looking to be like straight up, who's going to win this game, who's going to lose this game as far as like a pick goes, I think until LA loses or you have a reason to really pick against them, like, I don't see how you can do it right now. I'm going to follow and I'm going to pick LA as well. But I think we're getting ever closer to a loss for LA 
I mean, that was proven against Houston. Yeah, so, the, the next game against Austin, I'm calling it. So if it just lost so to I, Austin. So I think that this game is going to be much close. I think uh, San Diego is going to get a losing bonus point from it, but it is going to be LA that wins. Okay. Uh, Tooney, what do you say? San Diego. His tails. Oh, God. If the Toonie's right, God damn it. Hey, man. If, if, this, if this comes up on the press, like unofficial press picks for, for <laughs> we're beaten by a coin. Oh. It, I'm, uh, I'm not going to be surprised, man, if the, toonie, if the Toonie comes out. We we clearly do have no idea what we're talking about on the show. So, <laughs> yeah. Derek, Utah versus Houston. Oh, excuse me. Oh, you know what? Kind of weird. I think. Like last couple of games, I mean, with some losses, I mean, they've been tight. You know, Utah kind of maybe on a little bit of a slide right now after they, they're kind of doing like the reverse of some of these teams. They started out hot and now we're kind of look like same thing with rugby ATL. Yeah. They started, yeah, started out hot, look like they're kind of tampering off a little bit. Um, Houston, Houston might have a little something to prove after they, uh, you know, they had a win and then kind of ran, uh, um, ran LA close. I mean, ultimately they're two and three right now, which isn't really that bad. Um, I'm going to <sighs> Houston's defense kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, so I'm still going to pick them anyways because why not? I'm also going with with Houston. Ah, see, I knew in my gut I should have picked Utah. Yeah, I. You know what? I like. I think that I. When I look at the two games both these teams played, I think Houston's going to be leaving their loss a lot happier than uh, Utah will be leaving theirs. Mm. Yeah, because it has been for like the last few games, Utah have been able to claw themselves back to a losing bonus point. Mm. But... So it's a question of, yeah, will Houston's defense be weak enough that they will be scoring the try bonus point instead of getting the full five? Uh, I, I'll be contrary, and then I'll go for Utah. You know what? I was going to say, actually, like one of us better pick Utah because this would make absolutely no sense to have all three of us pick Houston. All right. Ready for Tooney? Go, Tooney, go. You should pick Utah, too. Uh, picks Utah. There it is. Right. Heads. Yeah. See, it's so weird because I feel like I'm I'm still I'm sitting here even thinking about this pick, and I'm like I don't know how much faith I have in Houston's D. Do you want Do you want to change it? No, because I already said it. I can't go back on it. I'm just I'm just pointing out that I absolutely go back on it. It's so arbitrary. You can. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not going to judge you. Houston's kit's cooler as to put them. Why not? All right, New England versus DC. This is this is a really interesting one. Let the Toonie pick first. I want to hear what the Toonie says. Yeah, what does the Toonie say? I, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'm going to go with New England. The Toonie also goes for New England. Hey, hey Toonie! You know what? I don't trust this Toonie. I'm going to go for <laughs> DC. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. It's, um... Also, how do we feel about a Sunday game? Uh, quickly, how do you guys feel about the arrows playing on a Sunday? That's fine. On the Sabbath? How dareth thee? That is the Lord's Day of Rest, damn it. 
Um, I know it's it. I I don't mind it. It's I have. I mean, it's it's another day. Yeah, on t- there's, there's on, t- games on like Wednesdays and stuff later in the year too, or like Monday, mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday. There's a couple uh, random Wednesday, games. Thursday, and Friday. I think the only yeah. There's some random like midweek games or something later. Right. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not that weird. I mean, arrows the arrows played all their home games in 2019 on Sunday. It's not that weird. It's probably it feels more normal that they're playing on Sunday. To be honest, sure, that's fair. Uh, Stu, who are you picking, New England or DC? I think uh, New England are on the ascendancy, and obviously being back home is going to be a boost. Um, so I will also say New England. Okay, um, Toronto versus New York. Toronto, Toronto. <laughs> Let, let's see if the uh, Toonie is going to be uh, traitor again. I know that's not a, not a very Canadian. <laughs> they are also. Going with Toronto Tails. Good, good. Austin versus Seattle. Can Austin go four wins in a row? Uh, as much as this kind of pains me, for the same reason that I picked LA, like Seattle, I think as as weird and as as sad as it is, as they are the defending two time and only champions, I think we're now at the point where Seattle's got to show you something in order to pick them. So I think I think you got to start locking in like LA wins every game and then just pick whoever Seattle's playing. Uh, so that's uh, it's and uh like no no one's really been able to score against Austin since like their first game too. Like they've uh, had some low point totals, so um it's going to be going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for them to crack. So got to go Austin. Yeah, I mean, uh, attack uh, sells tickets, but defense wins games. And as we've all said, that Austin has like the best defense in the league so far. Um, so yeah, and you know, Se- this Seattle isn't the Seattle of uh, twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. It's uh, it is closer to twenty twenty. In fact, they're following the exact same pattern. They lose their first three games, win their fourth, and then lose the fifth. Um, obviously, this will be round six, so we're completely into the unknown. But uh, I don't, I don't think it's good news for Seattle. And yeah, I'm gonna have to say Austin. You know what, guys? Um, Do it. Do it. Austin's or uh, Seattle's always a slow starter. You look at all their their previous seasons, and they started off slow. And I think that they're really going to um, recollect themselves after this embarrassment of a loss and say, we need to kick it up a notch. And I think they might catch Austin by surprise. Um, you know what? Just just for the Do hell it. of it, I'm going to say Seattle. I'll, I'll say Seattle. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a go. I, honestly, I I, honestly, here's the thing. is I got a little bit of a lead over Stu. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, okay. and then the ego came in yeah. and just cannot be the same. And you know what? I, I I'll honestly, take, I'll think take a, this little loss. Like, I honestly think, like, kind of looking at this, like, I don't know, if, like, I don't, we got to come up with like a prize for us or something. Like, whoever, I've, little... I have an idea if Uh-oh. you guys entertain is that whoever comes, whoever has the worst record has to make a donation to 
I, either the Arrows choice of breast cancer charity, Sick Kids, or um, Terry Fox Foundation. But the, the you you want the Arrows to pick what we do? Is that what well, as in we as in we can pick because I know that the Arrows do like their breast cancer game. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the specific gotcha. charity they donate money to right. is. Oh, so. we can sort out. We can sort out charity. I like that. I like that idea. We, we can like sort idea. out. We can sort out which actual charity. Um, and also, I can say this because I'm currently last in. Yeah. Uh, um, if anybody has a suggestion, listener suggestion yes. for the charity, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I hate it when we pick the same. Um. Like I'm not even looking at. Well, we still got one uh, player. That's uh... Toonie's got. A, all right, let's. I'll let the Toonie have it say. But I think, like, um, Stu, as you kind of flip the coin here. But I think, um, like, I I think one of the things is like I think like all of the time when you look at like these types of pools and these types of games, it really just I think it really comes down to like who calls like the like the upsets the most or whatever. Like L.A. is gonna lose at some point. Right. But like I said, it's like, why would you ever pick against LA? The person that'll probably like win these at the end is going to be the person that's like, yeah, LA is going to lose here and actually calls it and stuff. Right. I think that's uh, like, right. Like if LA wins, it doesn't do anything for us right now. It's just, they win. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they win. It's just, it's a game for everybody. We all did the same. It was, it's a little bit, it makes it a little bit more interesting when all the picks don't necessarily line up. And who did the, the Toonie pick? The Toonie picked Austin. Nice. Uh, Tooney. Two, two, All right, guys. $2 well, Gilgronis. <laughs> Once again, we really uh, want to thank uh, Cole for coming on and talking with us, uh, giving us a little bit of insight what's going on down in uh, in Georgia. And uh, hopefully, guys, we'll have another great week of rugby. And all the social media stuff. And if you want to find more of our information... Go on to uh, LaRouge Rugby on all the social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all on it. YouTube, we got all of these videos. Uh, find us on all podcast platforms. Give us a review as well. Let us know uh, what you want to see more of, what you've enjoyed, what you didn't like, everything. We want to know how you guys have been feeling about us. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate that.